Welcome to the Primal Pioneer, a no-nonsense podcast teaching you how to rewild your life and heal your body using nature's medicine kit. I'm your host, Heather Shepard, classical homeopath, author of The Sunlight Rx, and alternative healer. For the past decade, I've been helping people overcome acute and chronic health disorders and brain injuries using a 100% natural approach. Enjoy this episode and subscribe to this podcast to stay informed about your body, your health, and how to lead the healthiest life possible, even amidst our crazy modern world. Hi everyone, welcome back to the podcast. Today I'm going to talk about a subject that was actually um, suggested by one of my students in the health coaching program and uh, so I'm super stoked about it because I feel like it's an area of health that deserves far more attention than it receives currently and that also it's really misunderstood when it comes to healing and I hope that this episode helps to bring more clarity and awareness around this topic and that topic is around the emotions so I'm going to talk about the impact that the emotions have on our health, on our food cravings, on the symptoms we develop, and how we can approach this in really effective, uh, supportive, proactive ways for ourselves, for our patients, our clients. And um, I want to start by saying that a lot of people today put in great effort and and generally speaking, are willing to go the extra mile when it comes to their health and focusing on the physical aspects of health. And I don't want to undermine the physical aspects of health because they're also super important. Um, And what do I mean by the physical aspects of health? I'm talking about diet, things like sunlight, uh, improving your indoor light environment, right? All of these things that we can do to change and support our physical health, the way our hormones fire, the way our metabolic signals fire, um, the way our circadian biology is wired, right? We can use a lot of our physical environment to support this really, really important aspect of our health. Um, But when it comes to healing, it's really important that we Um, simultaneously address the mental emotional aspects of our health because when these are neglected they actually can bring the health down in in really big ways and when we we have our biggest health breakthroughs when we simultaneously are able to not only address the physical but also the mental emotional and throughout this episode I'm going to give you some insight as to why that is. So um, most people today, really, they're they're in tune with, okay, I need to eat a healthy diet. Not that everybody knows exactly what that means, right? But their mind is in this place where, okay, diet, um, you know, supplements. And you know I'm not a big fan of supplements. But what I'm getting to here is that most people focus on their physical health, the material things they can do to support their health. So yes, 
these are important and I don't want this episode to by any means undermine their unimportance because we need all of these aspects to be addressed when it comes to really addressing root causes of our health struggles. And I think it's um, something worth clearing up is what does root cause even mean? Because this is a word or a phrase that's thrown around a lot today. It's like, oh, clear the root cause and root cause this and root cause that. And I use the, that word a lot, root cause. But what what do I mean by that personally? Me, I mean we're getting to the foundation, the heart of why somebody got what they got in the first place. And usually there are several root causes. And a lot of those root causes are based on one's uh, exposure or intake of suppressive therapies throughout their life, right? I talk about that a lot. Vaccinations, antibiotics, prescription medications, um, over-the-counter drugs, these sort of things uh, all suppress the immune system. And while we no longer get acute things anymore. Nobody's really getting serious acute conditions. Um, But what are we getting is chronic diseases. So when we suppress the body from getting acutes, um, you know, no one gets high fever anymore. Who who gets a, a fever of 103 anymore or 104 or 105? Practically no one. And we don't get this because we have suppressed our immune system so much by using antibiotics, vaccines, and other suppressive therapies. So that's one major cause. But another major cause of our health issues are these mental, emotional experiences, insults that we um, go through, everybody experiences in their life, and then how the organism responds and reacts to this stimulus and this is a huge cause of our modern day diseases as well and um, we're going to bring more support and attention to this here um, today throughout this episode so I really want to emphasize that I know a lot of people who listen to my podcast they're into ancestral diets and, um, uh, you know, more mitochondrial health, all of these really, really important aspects of health, quantum health, mitochondria, etc., right? And so we know how, say, sunlight impacts the way our mitochondria function, or we know how diet impacts the way our uh, metabolic health, you know, functions and responds, But what about our emotional insults and their impact on these things as well? And these things you cannot study. You cannot study how somebody uh, whose husband has an affair and um, a year later the wife or partner develops um, ovarian cancer. You cannot study the correlation behind that, but we have to, and not that um, many studies are even fully accurate today anyway, um, but I can say in my clinical practice of over 10 years that um, 
I have a whole lot of studies showing this correlation between emotional insults and then as a result, the organism has this breaking point. Every organism has a breaking point. And then as a result, some sort of symptom or pathology sets in. So let's talk about first how emotional trauma actually affects our organism, the organism. And um, first and foremost, there are just some general um, experiences in life that we can go through that can be very... um, it could be like an upheaval to the uh, mental emotional symptom system. So this is these are things like grief, shock, trauma, um, rejection, um, anxiety, depression, right? And all of these things can result from some sort of mental emotional trauma. And this is going to look differently, literally, for every person. Every organism has a different breaking point. So some one person can get in a car accident and have extreme phobias and panic attacks as a result. Uh, this Another person can be in a very similar car accident and walk away and, you know, not have really any phobias or panic disorders that set in. So the emotional stress that we experience is going to affect our unique organism depending on many things. It's going to depend on the strength of our constitution. It's going to depend on, you know, our upbringing, what kind of household were we grown up in and raised in, what was the environment like, were the emotions really shut down? Was there a lot of anger? Was there a lot of yelling? Did one of your parents really make fun of you or put you down? You know, were you abused? Were you hit? You know, did you even have parents growing up? You know, so these things are all going to impact how your organism responds to stress or an emotional stress, I should say. And, you know, some examples of of an emotional stress, traumatic events, or things like a loss of job, affairs, financial struggles, divorce, a breakup, any type of grief or loss. Um, And then we have traumas like a house fire or a car accident, Um, or maybe somebody's held at gunpoint, right? And so there are lots of these examples And um, we have to understand that while um, each organism is going to respond in a very unique way, depending on their upbringing, depending on their constitution, depending the strength of their constitution, and they're going to react all in a very unique way, depending on those things. And every organism has a breaking point. There's no Superman that can experience extreme stress and not have any effect on the, you know, on the organism unless that person is has some kind of split personality disorder or schizophrenia, right? It's just not possible. So we're all human. Every organism has a breaking point. And um, really what I do as a 
homeopathic practitioner is that when somebody comes in to my practice, the one of the most revealing questions I ask them is, when did this issue that you came in with begin? When did it start? And their response over 98% of the time tracks back to a stressful event. And since that stressful event, their uh, symptoms either started or intensified and got worse. And, you know, you might think like, oh, yeah, I could see that in the case of cancer or heart disease or something like that. But I'm even talking about things, uh, um, pathologies that we wouldn't even associate with the mental emotional. For example, I work with a lot of people who have digestive disorders and C. diff is a very, very common one that people come to me for. And we might think of C. diff like, oh, that's a pathogenic infection that occurs often when somebody's taken too many rounds of antibiotics, the gut microbiome's really weak, it's susceptible, the liver's no longer producing bile, and so the whole digestive system is just like totally exposed and um, very, very super vulnerable. But even in these cases, most of the time, I'll say, what was going on in your life when you got the C. diff? And it'll be like, oh, this grief with my daughter or this grief with my husband or this grief with my wife or, you know, this grief with my pet. And it's like, we have to take these things into consideration because the mental emotional, when we um, experience something that puts us over the edge with regard to our our own breaking point, the entire organism weakens. Despite what kind of diet you're on, how many supplements you're taking, or how many hours you're in the sun, the organism will have a breaking point with the mental-emotional, and that's when pathology and serious pathology can start to set in. So this question you know, when did this issue start for you? And 90% of people who come into my practice for the past decade, it's typically connected to, tethered to some mental, emotional stress or trauma. And this doesn't have to be like, you know, somebody comes in with, um, I just want to work on my diet and you see that they can't absorb or assimilate anything and they have leaky gut and um, food sensitivities. And I ask, when did this issue start? And they say, well, I've always had it since a teenager and 12 years old. And you say, what happened at 12 years old? And you're like, well, my parents got a divorce. It's like even something that happened that long ago, when you were four, when you were 12, and now you're 40 or 50 or 60, right? It doesn't matter the amount of time that has passed from the most stressful event to present moment and your your symptoms in the present. It's still, your, your organism is still going to be affected by these serious, you know, um, mental, emotional stresses and traumas. So in my practice, I use homeopathy to address the mental emotional traumas. Literally, the only reason why is because it's the only thing I've found that really works. Um, I am a big fan of good, very good um, therapy as well. 
And I found that the combination of really good therapy and really good homeopathy can pull emotional um, issues up by the roots, even if it happened 40 years ago. Absolutely astounding. And um, I have my own personal healing experience with this that really sent me on this path to learn about homeopathy and how to use it not only to address our physical symptoms, but very and as equally as powerfully the mental emotional symptoms as well. So um, I found it to be incredibly, incredibly effective. So as I mentioned, each organism is going to react to stress depending on the strength of their constitution, and they're going to develop unique symptoms depending on how intense the stress was for that organism. So if somebody else is like, you know, let's say your partner or family member um, gets anxiety when they um, drive and it's like a breeze for you, you know, and a lot of people get, get a lot of, um, we make fun of a lot of people or put a lot of people down for them not being able to do something. And there's quite literally a reason why somebody's incapable of doing um, you know, some sort of simple task like that, like driving or a kid getting their homework done or, um, you know, uh, going to the grocery store or, you know, just think of all these like day-to-day things um, some people have a really easy time with. And I'm sure many of you know people who, hey, oh yeah, my uh, grandma, she never drove and she's she's terrified of driving and, you know, she should just get over it. It's like your, each organism is going to develop symptoms as a way to literally prevent death and um, to avoid a complete obliteration of the organism. So for somebody, going in a car and driving down the road could send them in such a state of panic and disarray that it would send them into a chronic autoimmune condition or cancer or extreme phobic state. When someone else can get in the car, there would be no, no symptoms at all. They're, a, they're asymptomatic. And so we need to really pay attention to these areas of our mental emotional health, like what are our fears? What are our phobias? Um, but also, like, how do we respond to emotional stress? If we get in a fight with our partner, do we shut down and stop communicating and then just internalize everything? Or do we talk it out? Or do we throw things at them? You know, what is the response? The organism is going to respond in a way that... Um, that prevents that organism from going into a deeper um, state of illness and incapacitation. So um, I think this is really important to address because um, many people out there are struggling today for many different reasons, mentally, emotionally. Um, we don't have the support we need. We think we should get over things. We think we shouldn't feel certain ways. And if it wasn't for my car accident, I would have also never been in this, you know, more so empathetic situation because, um, once you go through something that's really intense and develop some sort of fears or, 
Um, you can tell there's a shift in your mental, emotional state. And then, you know, you can't relate to society in the same way or um, people make fun of you for your um, for your anger, for your fear of elevators or, you know, for your, you sob all the time, you know, you can't talk to, you know, people you talk to and they just start crying. Maybe that's just me. I know a lot of people like that. You talk to them and literally they'll just start sobbing. And um, I'm going to give an example of, of uh, I can't call it a case because it's just like a friend who uh, used to bring her compost to me and um, very, very sweet, sweet uh, woman. And um, I love when the community and neighbors bring their compost to me. We have a huge compost going and it's a good way to interact with community and then to also, you know, create the compost and soil and then share it with everyone when it comes to time to plant things. But every time this woman would come over with her compost and it'd literally be like a 10, 15 minute interaction, she would tell me some story and it wasn't necessarily even sad right it but to her to her organism she's not crying but there's there's tears just streaming down her face but she literally can't cry she can't like you know there's no sobbing but um i should say there's no sobbing but there's crying because it's so obvious that the tears are just streaming 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 down her face and so one day i said i came out to her and i said hey have you ever uh have you taken pulsatilla? <laughs> it's a really common homeopathic remedy. And one symptom of that um, person can be weeps easily, you know, and, and they're, they're very sweet people. They weep easily. They need a lot of consolation emotionally, right? See, we're taking all these mental, emotional symptoms into account. And she said, no, I, I've never, do you think I should take it? I said, yes, here, here it is. Please go take this. <laughs> For the next week, she came, she brought her compost, no tears, no tears, right? We're just having a conversation. I was like, oh, wow, this is awesome, you know? And so right around the second week or so, she comes and the tears are back. I was like, how's it, how's it going? You know, what's going on? Oh, you know, I, um, I went out and had a cup of coffee with my friend, to, you know, a couple days ago and da-da-da-da-da. And I was like, oh, you know, coffee is, is one of the main anecdotal substances to homeopathic remedies. And I think this is important for anyone out there. If any of you take homeopathy, literally um, how homeopathy works is you take a dose of that remedy and then that remedy, if you don't anecdote it, will literally work on you for months and months and months and months over time. One of the most... Um, common anecdotal substances to co to homeopathy is coffee. No matter if you take it the day after you've taken your homeopathy, a month later or four months later, your, after you drink coffee, your symptoms will unfortunately gradually start to come back. So, you know, just like really cash, you know, she's like, oh yeah, I went out and had a cup of coffee with my friend and I was like, oh man, <laughs> you know, so... Anyway, the, the, the whole point of this is that people are going to have their own unique mental emotional responses and expressions. And the reason why they do is because 
their organism is producing that symptom to prevent um, a condition, a pathology, a mental emotional state that that person literally cannot handle. It would totally destroy them. And so the body's very, very smart. It will produce symptoms to prevent death. And this is really easy and obvious to see and say something like, you know, C. diff with this pathogenic bacteria in the gut. And then as a result, what happens, there's profuse diarrhea, you know, 10, 20 bowel movements a day, right? So the body's going to produce a symptom because if it didn't have diarrhea, then it would, the, the bacteria would literally kill the person. So to counter death, to counter the pathology from going deeper, the organism's going to respond with, with a symptom. And, you know, we can look at any disease from this standpoint. So um, let's take a tumor, for example. Let's, let's say there's breast cancer. And maybe this per- certain person, they can't handle too much emotional pain. They can't handle pain. If they were to cry, if they were to feel the pain that they experience in their relationship or from their mom or whoever, it would utterly destroy them. Their constitution isn't strong enough to be able to handle that pain. So as a result, they develop this mass. That's how the body can express itself. It's like this this attempt, this exit strategy to try to express, to uh, get the emotions out, right? So, of course, not every case of breast cancer is going to be like that. That was just an example. Um, another, another common one is when somebody experiences a grief, but they, they can't cry, you know, a healthy organism when there's a a grief, a substantial grief, let's say a parent dies, a spouse dies, um, a sibling dies, you know, this is something to really grieve over. There's a lot of sadness there. There's a lot of pain there, right? But some people literally, they can't cry. They can't let it out. And um, they can't let it out due to, you know, their upbringing or what was modeled to them emotionally or their organism. Literally, if they cried, if they went into that grief, they would be, you know, they they would be down in, in a totally depressed state that they couldn't get out of. So... A symptom the body produces is, okay, I won't cry. You know, I'm not going to cry. The body, the the organism can't handle it. And so we can use homeopathy to strengthen the organism, to bring them to a place where they can healthily express and release these emotional stuck places in their lives and to help move through the panic and anxiety states so they don't completely um, disassociate you from life and the life that you really want to live. So um, what happens when an emotion or a stressful event can't be fully expressed by the body? Symptoms develop as a result. And these symptoms affect our energy production, our sleep quality, they influence our food cravings, our food aversions, our mitochondrial health in huge ways. 
in much bigger ways. And emotional stress is going to affect these things in much bigger ways. And I'm like capital cap locks to much bigger ways than diets, than supplement plans, than like testing your SNPs to see where the issue is. It literally... Doing these things I know are well-intentioned and it's what we've been trained to do. But when it comes to our deepest pathologies and health struggles, we have to help support our mental-emotional healing and these stresses um, to really, really get to the root of what's going on. And this is going to set the stage for our greatest health breakthroughs. So... um, I want to go over, and I know I've touched on a few of these already, but I just want to go over um, to give you some examples of some ways the body might respond to emotional stress. So, um, so number one, you can pay attention to this. Hey, is this something that I'm doing? You know, you can start to bring attention to where are my emotional stress places. Um, or maybe you are a healthcare practitioner and you can say, oh, well, I'm going to pay attention to that in my practice more. Um, so wherever you're at, um, I want to just bring in here some ways the body can respond to emotional stress. I've talked about a few, but I'm going to get specific here because here's the thing. You know, we know that the mitochondria and our energy levels and our sleep quality are impacted by our circadian biology. We can study that, right? Or we can try to study that. You can't study the emotions because everybody is so unique. You can't compare one person's grief to another. It's so freaking unique. You cannot do that and expect the same the same result or um, the same treatment plan. Just not even... Um, it's not even going to align. It's not going to be accurate. So let's talk about grief because this is one way that the body, um, this is a huge emotional stress that everybody goes to. But as I mentioned, uh, I mentioned a couple different things here. One, the pulsatilla person, you know, they can weep very easily. They won't necessarily weep because of grief. They'll weep because they don't feel loved or they don't feel cared for or, Um, oh, console me, console me, you know, you don't love me. You know, this is more of like the pulsatilla thing when it comes to homeopathy and we're talking about grief. You know, there are certain grief remedies. And I want to bring in this um, piece about grief that I've talked about here a little bit around the inability to cry. And uh, I want to bring this in because I feel like it's it's pretty common today. Um, a lot of people, both uh, men and women, they they can't cry or it's really difficult for them to cry and express. And so as a result of the body not being able to cry, let this emotion out when it needs to come out, then we develop symptoms. So a common symptom that we see when somebody cannot cry is frequent sighing. You'll just, they'll always have to take a deep breath because there's so much emotion in there that's trapped. 
the organism produces the symptom of sighing to try to let that emotion out. And so this is one symptom that can develop when there's issues expressing grief. Whether that grief happened 20 years ago or whether that grief happened yesterday or last week, you know, the organism will produce a symptom and and often when somebody can't cry, um, sighing can occur. Not in all cases, but I see it often. And the grief is so overwhelming to the person, but they can't cry, you know? And and why why would somebody maybe have issues with crying? Often they feel embarrassed or they feel totally ridiculous to cry in front of other people. It's like they are just so concerned about how ridiculous they would look, how embarrassing it would be, um, how they should be over whatever it is they're sad about by now. And um, literally it will not cry because of of these things. It feels too ridiculous to cry. It feels like, and then what's the big deal there? Well, let's say that sometime in, in this person's life, they were made fun of, or maybe they were made fun of for crying, or maybe they were told to stop crying and they felt ridiculous. So later on in life, this symptom comes up where I cannot cry. Why? Because I'd feel ridiculous. I'd feel like, you know, just totally embarrassed. And so if they cried and and um, somebody did ridicule them, it would be so painful, so hurtful for them. And the organism will do anything it can to avoid that pain because it would totally bring it down. It would, you know, potentially collapse the organism. So as a way for the body to then try to prevent this collapse sighing develops, frequent sighing develops. But what else? What else can develop? A lot of other symptoms. (laughs) You know, we can have, um, let's take, for example, somebody who can't cry. They can't express on the emotional level. um, And so they will express on other levels. Meaning they'll develop sensitivities as a result of their emotional insensitivity. So for example, somebody who can't cry, we can often see sensitivity to smells, sensitivity to sunlight. If they go in sunlight, they get a headache. People are often embarrassed to tell me that symptom if they have it because I'm so into to sunlight and healing with the sun. But that is a really, really helpful symptom. It's a guiding symptom because... If you get headaches when you go out in the sun, that literally, um, that is very helpful information. For some reason, your organism cannot take in that force, right? And so um, we often see these sensitivities developing in people who are unable to uh, express on the mental, emotional level, Um for example, we have remedies in, in homeopathy who they quite literally cannot talk about their emotions. However, um, during their menses, they bleed so much. They can bleed for 
12 days straight, 20 days straight. The blood just goes and keeps coming and coming and coming and coming. When the body cannot express the mental emotional state and, and the feelings, the body will try to find an outlet. <clears throat> so, um, so here we have with the grief that shut down, develop sighing, develop these sensitivities to sun, to odors, to noises, to fat, to sleep, like the smallest noise will keep them up or as soon as your head hits the pillow, here come all the anxieties. You start to feel them. And you start to feel all the feelings that you didn't feel during the day. And so you're sleepless, right? And you get up and you watch the sunlight and you do all the right things, but you still can't sleep. It's because of this mental emotional layer that hasn't been addressed. So, you know, when there's this state of inability to cry, sensitivities develop on... Um, you know, more of the physical layer, sensitivity to smell, sensitivity to sound, sensitivity to sun, sensitivity to fat. The body will use up a lot of energy and a lot of minerals to keep the grief at bay. So then what happens? The organism starts to crave salt, right? Like, or, or maybe not right, just like, yeah, because I don't know if that's a, a well-known uh, well fact there, but... Um, I'm bringing this up because I'm starting to talk about food sensitivities more and how they really have nothing to do with, you know, uh, elimination diets and supplements and SNPs and et cetera. Um, but literally, your body will crave certain foods depending on your mental emotional state. And we're all like, oh, yeah, women, when they're pregnant, they eat a lot or... Um, before we bleed, we want, you know, chocolate and sugar. It's like, yeah, but if we can get really specific about what somebody's cravings are, it'll tell us a lot about the mental emotional imbalances. And sometimes people who have a very strong craving for salt, another symptom we see on the mental emotional layer is inability to cry, consolation aggravates, desire to be alone when cries because they feel ridiculous. This is literally the, the, a classic grief remedy, Natmer, but I'm giving you, I'm painting this picture for you because um, I want you to understand how the organism will react on the physical level when there's a mental, emotional um, stress or block. And so, you know, we can do paleo until the cows come home, but if we're not getting to these deeper root issues, then, you know, we're not truly going to turn the full corner when it comes to our health. Unless somebody comes into your practice or um, unless you are someone who your health issue is purely physical. And I will say... About 2% of people who come into my practice, their condition is purely physical. Um, sometimes acute conditions like a cold or a flu can be purely physical, but also not always. Uh, but because of the world we live in today, uh, it's very rare to see just a physical condition. If there was just a physical condition, these are like very... I don't want to say easy, but they're very straightforward cases to work with and help uh, 
achieve healing in a very uh, pretty quick way. Um, so I talked about grief. I'll talk about trauma here just briefly. And this is for anyone who's experienced a traumatic event, you know, maybe a work accident, a house fire, an earthquake, a car accident, and as a result, phobias develop. So after the trauma, some kind of fear or phobia develops, like claustrophobia or a panic state, right? And so when these occur, um, this is literally the body trying to counter uh, a deeper pathology. And we can address these deeper phobic states with homeopathy, but we also need to consider if you or if you're a practitioner and someone comes into your practice and they say that um, they have heart palpitations and um, you tell them to get in the sun more and maybe that helps sometimes. I've had that experience after my car accident. I developed heart palpitations and someone would say, oh my God, go get an EKG, go get your heart tested. Like this is serious. And it's like you have to know as a practitioner and then us reclaiming just our own innate ancestral wisdom about our body when a situation is dangerous and needs attention from, say, um, an allopathic world versus when they will probably do more harm than good. And so we can understand that if heart palpitations develop after a trauma, that it's probably not because they're not getting enough sunlight that they're having heart palpitations. So it's probably not because they're using their cell phone too much. Now, will that contribute to the issue? 100%. But it's probably not the root cause. The root cause is the mental emotional stress and the symptom that was produced to counter, say, heart attack, collapse state, was heart palpitations. So you treat the panic disorder and the heart palpitations go away. That's exactly, um, I've, I, that's my, been my approach with people after they've experienced serious trauma um, and, and then ha- developed panic disorders and panic attacks and heart palpitations and phobias and fear of elevators and you name it. And you know what the cause is. Like it's literally there's, and and this is not health advice to you. I'm not like diagnosing you or giving you health advice. I just have to say that because who knows what somebody would run and do with the information. But um, if it's me and somebody comes into my practice and they have heart palpitations after they smashed their car and were trapped in it, I'm going to say there's literally nothing wrong with your heart, but that trauma is stuck in there and we have to give you something to help you move through that. Aconite was like a huge lifesaver for me. Totally took me out of that panic, phobic state, heart palpitations, waking up in panic states at night and is a common remedy to help with this state. But we have to understand that because some famous person on Instagram says to eat carnivore for heart palpitations, but your heart palpitations started after a traumatic event, 
we have to like put this into context here. That's not going to be helpful for people. And a lot of people generalize and make general recommendations. And oftentimes general recommendations aren't super helpful. Um, they can be, but not when it comes to the mental emotional state. Um, and some of our symptoms that develop as a result of a mental emotional experience. Um, so I want to get into here as we, as I wrap up for today, um, of course, I always want to talk about more than, um, more than, more than I've allotted time for. That's classic for me. Um, Here's the most important thing that I want to share today that I, I, I think is the most important take home. <clears throat> so when we're, we, you, your patient, your client is working on healing whatever they're working on healing, we have to understand the hierarchy of healing, meaning what symptoms are most threatening to the organism and address those symptoms first. Okay, so um, how I operate, how I function is that there's three levels of uh, the body that the pathology can affect. It can affect the mental, it can affect the emotional, it can affect the physical. Usually it affects at least two of those, sometimes three. Okay, so that's a foundation for for what I'm going to go into here. When it comes to diet, sunlight, supplements, these can only affect and impact the physical body. Okay? So, yeah, you know, getting your sunlight RX on um, can help improve your mood, can help improve your sleep, um, right? Because... Maybe you have a low dopamine level and you get out and you do your Sunlight RX. And if you don't have a copy of the Sunlight RX, just go over to my site, heathershepherd.com, and just scroll down the homepage and you'll see a place to, to get your copy. Um, but, you know, so like the Sunlight RX is super helpful for um, things like restoring dopamine, replenishing melatonin stores, the, these super, super important aspects of our health, right? But it's not going to remove the root cause of, say, a mood imbalance. That's usually a pretty big pathology that has stemmed from years of suppressive therapies, um, likely tethered to emotional disturbance and imbalances. So today, most people are only accessing this physical aspect of their health. Okay. So I want to help people go deeper, get deeper with their health and their progress and get to the root of the issue because when it comes to healing, in order to make real progress with our health, we cannot first address the physical and then second, maybe the mental, emotional. And here's why. Most important take home. Here's why. The vast majority of our physical conditions they're rooted in mental, emotional imbalances. I'm going to give you an example here. Let's say um, somebody comes into my practice and they're 
so freaking irritated with this skin eruption they have. They have acne on their chin. They have acne around the edges of their face, and it just itches. It's driving them crazy. They can't stand it. But this person also has panic attacks, anxiety about their health, you know, maybe some fears. It's obviously causing them a lot of distress in their life. It's impacting their quality of life. Okay. Well, let's say this person goes to, you know, a typical, a different doctor, whether it's a naturopath, whether it's functional medicine, whether it's allopathic, dermatologist, you know, whatever. They go to a doctor and the doctor gives them cream for their face or a supplement um, and then gives them some breathing techniques and let's say, you know, who knows, some like hypnotherapy techniques for the panic. The skin issue gets better, this element on the physical layer, but the panic attacks are still there. Here's my question. Did we help this person? Most people might think, yeah, we really helped them out with their skin condition. However, as uh, when I look at this situation, the answer is a clear, loud, resounding no. We didn't do jack for this person. Because there's a rule of thumb when it comes to healing. If the physical body gets better, the acne goes away, but the mental emotional state stays the same, the panic disorders, nah, not even, didn't touch them. This is not a good reaction. We're not moving in a healing direction at all. Okay? So we need to take into account which symptoms are most threatening to the organism when they enter your practice or what symptoms are most threatening to you right now today. Is it the acne on the face or is it the panic attacks? Is it the constipation or is it the depression that's so deep you can't get out of bed? You see, we have to address this hierarchy when it comes to healing if we want to see real results the organism the panic attacks the phobias these mental emotional states have a deeper impact on the organism than the physical disorder and we have to address the mental emotional first and usually that will clear the root of the physical issue, oftentimes. Or sometimes, if you really truly address the mental emotional layer, and then the physical symptoms actually get a little worse, there is no better sign than that person's moving towards a cure than that reaction after you give them a homeopathic remedy. So we have to understand that what is most threatening to the organism if we just address the skin issue um how threatening is acne on the face to the life of the person absolutely not at all the skin is like the outermost layer unless there's a massive major skin issue you know then of course we want to address it but what we're doing today is um, we have to understand that if the mental emotional isn't improving, the overall health of the organism actually isn't strengthening and improving.
And in order to fully strengthen the organism, we have to start with the mental emotional first. This is why in my practice, in my homeopathy practice, somebody um, comes in for a gut issue and I ask them a whole boatload of questions during the intake. And um, these are physical questions, mental questions, emotional questions, sleep questions, you know, what are your fears? Oh, there's a whole whole bunch of questions that I ask people. And, you know, even somebody who comes in for a physical issue, if you come into my homeopathy practice, I'm always going to treat the mental emotional state that's connected to that physical issue every single time. And if the mental emotional issue is more damaging and threatening to the health than the physical issue, then it's important to to just make it clear that that is where we need to start. Most people today are struggling mentally, emotionally, whether it's from something that happened 12 years ago, preventing you from express healthily on the mental emotional layer, or if it's a recent event. And so um, I really want to bring new eyes and clarity to this subject because oftentimes the body develops symptoms, physical symptoms, as a result of a mental, emotional uh, trauma, stress, etc. And just by addressing the physical, we're not going to get to the root of what's actually going on with our health. So... Uh, I hope this episode was eye-opening with regard to the emotions. Um, As always, uh, many of you have been emailing me with podcast ideas. I am always, always open to that and inviting to that. You can email me at heather.shepherd at gmail.com. And that my name is spelled very strange, H-E-A-T-H-A-R dot S-H-E-P-A-R-D at gmail.com so you can email me with your ideas there for a podcast happy to to do that for you all um let's see any other announcements i do have some cool upcoming things um this fall i'm actually getting ready to launch for the first time a classical homeopathic training program i'm so stoked about this um, and I'm putting the the final touches on it. It will. It is not a recorded class. It is live, I should say, over Zoom with me. Of course, you can come in person if you'd like. Big fan. <laughs> but it will be um, over Zoom starting this fall. And I'm putting the final touches on, on the program. And um, we'll have the um, site up for that soon. Application. Um, we'll have a Q&A session. Uh, so that's coming. I'm stoked about it. Um, and then something else that's coming is I'm uh, getting ready to put out my ancestral digestion uh, and lifestyle plan that combines diet, indoor lighting practices, and sunlight. It's this program to help support the physical aspects of healing And that will be out very, very soon. I'm super stoked about that because, man, so many people are confused about diet, about um, sunlight, light, 
what do I do? What are the best this and that? And that plan is just going to boom, go through all of that for you all to make the, the physical aspect super crystal clear. Usually the physical aspect doesn't have to be that. Um, we make it much more complicated that in, than it needs to be. And so um, my whole goal with this plan is to get you something that's not just simplified, but very effective, attainable, makes sense, and while also addressing your um, unique needs. Um, and I'll talk about that around diet here in in the near future but i'm i'm really excited about those things that are coming up and i'll keep you all posted on those things and have a super awesome weekend everyone we'll see you next time if you're interested in approaching your health struggles from a root place this 2022 then I invite you to join me for a classical homeopathy consultation. I'm currently accepting new clients, and to sign up, you can go to my site, heathershepherd.com, that's H-E-A-T-H-A-R-S-H-E-P-A-R-D.com, backslash healing. Scroll to the bottom of the page, and you can sign up for an initial consultation. Let's get you feeling better this 2022 from a root place. Thanks so much for tuning in to today's episode. To learn more about my approach to health, to see all of my creations in the kitchen and all of my Sunlight RX tips. You can follow me on the gram at sunlight underscore RX and subscribe to this podcast to access weekly episodes.